Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. My name's Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. And I'm Delfonso. Do I just join in there? <laughs> and joining us today is Delfonso. <laughs> I didn't tell you what to do there, because we are lousy podcast hosts. And I'm Delfonso. Work in progress. <laughs> so welcome, Delfonso. Thank you. Yeah, How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. I'm very sleep deprived, uh, and I need to go to work in about seven hours. So <laughs> Whoa. let's strap in. <laughs> we'll make this clo- We'll make this quick. Um, <laughs> So that was the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, episode number 91. And <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, congratulations, everyone, on a job well yes. done. We're really yes. trying to rush to episode 100. Let's do a couple of these. We're, we're just going to let AI do the podcast from now on. That's going to be one of our things that we do. So, Is this going to be a thing now? Yes. <laughs> this is now the insider. It's never not going to be a thing. It's just mm-hmm. it's going to be a We're stuck. But Delfonso runs a Halloween fortress... Uh, it's a succession fort, right? Yes, yeah. A Halloween succession fort over on the Bay 12 forums. So how long has that been going on? Um, so now this is the fourth year of what's called Spooky Fort, which is just a modded with a bunch of horror mods succession game. And uh, some years it's uh, great, some years it's awful, uh, just like horror movies, which is what it's based off of. <laughs> is it actually in running right now? Yeah, so it starts on October 1st, or as close as that as I can get. This year, it's a bit of a mess, because we're running in the new version of Door Fortress. And modding that version of Door Fortress is a little bit harder, because it's not in ASCII anymore. Yeah, so everything looks like a little uh, purple, little green alien guy, <laughs> unless you switch over to ASCII mode, and then everything looks a lot more familiar. So what were you doing differently with the ASCII stuff or what, why, what was, what has caused concern or or change? What's different? Sure. So the, the big like core mod is by a guy named ZM5. He's a big modder and he made zombies ate my dwarves, which is just a basic Halloween pack. It adds, I don't even know, like 200 creatures. So nobody's going to do the sprite work for that. <laughs> and ZM5 is like real prolific. He's made like, I don't know, 30, 40 mods with a ton, ton of different stuff. Lisa, the painful and like Dragon's Dogma and like a bunch of other like video games. And normally it's in ASCII and it just looks as Dwarf Fortress used to look and it was totally manageable. Um, but now you see little green guys running around. You don't know if that's. Uh, just like a little undead monkey or, um, you know, a dragon or something. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Got it. So you, you have a lot of custom sprites and in ASCII, you could represent that with P's or J's or semicolons yeah, exactly. or tildes or whatever. And now you've got a, got it. So you're using a mod, you're using mods. Oh yeah. Yeah. I also messed up the vanilla files and thanks to steam integrity checking, I think. No one else could play it, uh, so I just had to uh, rewrite some things and release a patch, the pumpkin patch, of course, because it's a Halloween thing. <laughs> Would that Steam integrity check still hold if you moved the executable in the folder out of the Steam directory? Yeah, so I think it's actually a it's 
not it's not up to steam i think it is actually built into dwarf fortress now because they did mm-hmm. change the data structure I, I don't think this is interesting to most people <laughs> but uh you used to be able to just move a modded folder between other people people didn't have to download those mods you could just play the save because all uh-huh. of the mods were in the save that's no longer the case uh, mods are separate from the save and they have to be loaded cool. Which allows them to be updated. So, how many people do you have participating in this? Uh, you, I mean, we try and go real fast. It's supposed to be about three days per turn or less, if you can. Um, so it ends up being about ten to twelve people. I know the first one had like twenty updates or twenty posts, and then other ones have gone, you know, better or worse, depending. But yeah, usually about 10, 15 people participate, which isn't a ton, but that's pretty good for Bay 12. Right. Because it's a it's an old forum, not not tons of traffic. Yeah, we have toyed with the idea. We even started a, a, a succession fort, um, oh, I guess it's about two years ago. And I think we got maybe through four rounds before we uh, got sidetracked and we kind of stopped doing it. I don't know. Does anybody know whose turn it is? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is this our succession fort from 44.10 or whatever? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. I don't yeah, that's know it. if the world would work still. Any day, uh, any day we'll get to that. Uh, I mean, I, I'm always game for it, but, um, but yeah, I think it's just really tricky to manage everybody's schedules and, you know, getting it back and forth on time. It's, it's, it's kind of tricky. Um, how have you, how have you managed it? Like what's what's the secret to making it work well? So I I ran small hands, which ran the entire length of forty seven. Um, so it started in forty seven point oh one and basically died out just as the new version came out. And in game, I, it was over forty years. And the reason that it kept going for so long was mostly because people would pick it up after like three months because. You know, people get busy. The main players get busy. It's very hard to jump into a fort, you know, even 10 years in that you don't even know the floor plan or anything that's going on. Small Hands was a very tiny map, just the two, like two tiles instead of four or 16 as as they usually are. And so it didn't run poorly. Um, the, the FPS held up because it was such a small map and pathfinding was so easy. And also the population kept on getting decimated by undead. (laughs) Um, So it ran well. And I think that helped because definitely that's what killed succession forts for me is when I play them and I load them up and I have three FPS and then I go, okay, not my (laughs) turn. (laughs) Yeah. It also helps to have something interesting going on. So in small hands, we were able to resurrect a dwarf from the dead fully back to being a dwarf like not a uh, intelligent undead but all the way back to regular dwarf that seems like something i haven't really heard happen before <laughs> uh it's a very weird bug where you send a dwarf out on a military squad and then their ghost rises and then you put their ghost to rest and then they come back as a real dwarf instead of an undead dwarf i see yeah, what? it was uh, just just some weird luck, uh, but it happened. <laughs> it doesn't sound very. That is wild. Easy to reproduce. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, I actually do. Pl- I was planning on testing it and trying to do more of it, but it was just um, 
Okay, I ended up with a fort just filled with drowned people that couldn't be resurrected, so then I thought, okay, maybe not this time. <laughs> Historian Christopher Harris shared thusly in his Tome of Ancient Dwarven Lore. The engineers and stonecrafters, with their hands and hearts resolute, mended the flaw that had let the mine's depths embrace the rushing waters. The season of wet deaths departed souls found rest in the earth, their stories etched in stone and script, as the fortress persisted unwavering. Work on the grand monument, I wrote him, was momentarily halted while they embarked on the solemn task of restoration. Mayor Obok Tooltraded, a stalwart leader of the dwarven kin, lent her vigor to the folk who walked by her side. Deep within her heart, a seed of doubt nestled, but she faced it, for she knew that even the bravest among us can harbor uncertainty. Despite this inner turmoil, she exuded the confidence that inspired her people, guiding them with wisdom through trying times. In her followers' eyes, she perceived a newfound resolve that hadn't shown before, and her heart swelled with pride at the majestic and unyielding spirit of the dwarves of New Tower of Showing. Indeed, her strength was fortified by the strength of her fellow dwarves, and she, in turn, became their beacon of leadership, exchanging strength with those she guided. Thus wrote Christopher Harris, chronicler of this enduring journey. Awesome. What do you guys think about uh, this adventure mode? Are we are we doing it? Are we are we are we excited about it? Oof. Well, I mean, excited? Yeah. Uh, do yeah. I think I get it as a Christmas present? Nah. No. No. <laughs> no way. Well. Which year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that actually might be true. But um, I feel like I might get to play the adventure mode for my next birthday, which is in August. But uh, I could see yeah, that. I th- it looks to me like six months is what it looks like. That seems optimistic. Yeah. I, I imagine it is a ton of work. I mean, you know, yeah. adventure mode in general, back in the 44 or whatever our last update was at 48, I can't even remember the last pre-Steam. It was, you know, it, it, and I'm using air quotes here, it worked okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't the easiest experience. So I think there's a ton of work to be done to polish it, to get it ready for Steam. So I, you know, I can imagine there's a lot um, I would describe the whole thing as it did things because you can go around and do things in adventure mode, but uh, yes. <laughs> the many ideas that he wants to input into the adventure mode are not like fleshed out in the way that they maybe should be. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I talked to him, and, uh, so, you know, I can now actually say this. This is very nice. I talked to him about Every it. episode from now on. It, it will. It will. And uh, he did say that he is going to work on it, but there will be a few other things that he has to do before, including the whole menu thing. But he, he already hinted that he's, like, closing with the menu stuff, and that he is very happy about closing with all the menus, and I am, I am pretty sure that that related to the newest update that we had, like the ammo fix and and yeah, yeah. Uh, jazz, and that uh, soon-ish he is actually going to put 
uh, all the menus aside and actually sit down on the adventure mode. He he seems very, how you say, giddy, happy to mm. start doing that. So, yeah, I think that was what we've. I think we've talked about this before, isn't it? It was kind of like one of his the parts of the the game that he was most excited about was adventure mode, right? Mm-hmm. In the uh, in the dev notes on Steam, he kind of says as much. Well, in adventure mode, there's like at least three levels of the map, you know, like there's when your character's walking around, there's a mini map Mm -hmm. when traveling. And then there's also a bigger mini map for faster traveling, I guess Um, (laughs) it is like, it's a lot of sprite work they're going to have to do. And the part that I'm excited about is they say that they're going to restructure character creation, which is a much needed (laughs) change. (laughs) Uh, I I played Caves of Cud a bit, and um, I don't know if anyone's played that, but it's what I would imagine Adventure Mode could be like, but I think Adventure Mode's got a lot more complexity because in Caves of Cud, it's kind of like the world is the world, and you're just an adventurer in it. But with with this game, you're going to have the ability for players to go modify that world. So, I, I mean, there's just a lot of additional complexity that Cud doesn't have to do, but but I can kind of imagine what it's going to be like. If, you, if you've played Caves of Cud and you can't wait for Adventure Mode, I'd say maybe check out Cud because it's probably is probably a close approximation. I think one of the big places that, that the new Adventure Mode is going to shine is for people who are, are not... Uh, ASCII lovers for the original Dwarf Fortress. In the uh, pre-version 50 Dwarf Fortress, the canonical display was the ASCII, the ASCII tile sets. And for Fortress mode, if you wanted the graphics, there was a, a great many things that you could choose from for uh, for your graphics on Fortress mode, and that was great. But in adventure mode, those graphics that were used for fortress mode, those tile sets, didn't translate over to adventure mode particularly well. So you would have some some fairly confusing things even using a tile set. Having a canonical graphics tile set in adventure mode means that those things that didn't make sense and and didn't look like anything on your screen using um, a, like Phoebus on the older versions, those things are now going to look like roads and doors and things that uh, that they're actually trying to represent now. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I think it's going to make it uh, quite a bit easier to, to grok for people who are new to adventure mode. And the stuff they've released looks great. I mean, it's all the, the profile like photos of people. Those, those look great. And uh, the icons are awesome. Like the, the talking is a chameleon guy and the performance uh-huh. is a singing turtle man. Uh, they look great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. It's like, can you guess what these icons are for? <laughs> they show a, a panel of yeah. icons. Many of them I could. The singing turtle, I'm not sure what that is. But... Begin a performance. <laughs> Classic adventure adventure yeah. mode thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. A button I will click very often. The game lets you write your own poetry. I'm really looking forward to playing adventure mode. We did a, a couple of sessions where... Tony and Roland tried to teach me how to play adventure mode and we recorded it and that was a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm looking forward for us doing something like that again, whenever, uh, whenever uh, Mr. Adams and company release it. 
Are you a big adventure mode player, Delfonso? Absolutely. I probably have put more hours into adventure mode than fortress mode. Do you have trouble uh, creating your goals? Um, uh, no, actually. Uh, I usually have more trouble slowing down and going back to fortress mode. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be like, you know, it'd be something like there's a goblin spire somewhere. They keep on raiding my fortress and I'll be like, ah, just just go over there and murder him as a dwarf <laughs> and then switch into adventure mode and walk over there and start chopping heads off of goblins and ogres, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's so that's actually what I run into more often where I'm just like, I don't want to solve this problem by sending squads and I don't want to solve this problem by just waiting for them to come here. There was an old, an old <clears throat> RTS slash turn-based strategy game called uh, uh, Lords of the Realm. And what was one neat thing about that was that you would play turn-based strategy on a map of England until you ran into a battle, in which case it would then turn to real-time strategy to uh, to decide the battle. It would it would be you know the holy grail if we could mix fortress mode and uh, adventure mode in a in a manner of that way. There's a little so. bit of that because you can. There's no limit to how many people you can add to your starting party. The only limit is patience when you're making a new character on adventure mode. Um, so you can just make an entire army and just <laughs> walk over there and watch your computer light on fire as they all start trying to run after, <laughs> run after a random horse or something. You know, it's, it's still door fortress. <laughs> You'll be measuring it in seconds per frame. Rather than frames per second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the largest amount of people that you ran around with in adventure mode? God, I so I tried to do this. Um, so a great, a great community game. Uh, it's it was a succession game. Now I think it's just uh, one person running it. Go check out Water Lures on Bay Twelve forums. It is a fortress full of capybara men that settled there. <laughs> as adventurers and then became full citizens. And then the whole fort is just copy bars. Nice. I reading that inspired me to try something similar. And I tried to do it with 40. <laughs> I tried to do 40 bug guys and made them all go to a new fort. And, uh, uh, just didn't work. It was just too slow to even walk one tile at a time. <laughs> 40 people. Well, okay. Yeah. Um, Wow. I, I don't know. They were all talking the, to each other. That's the actual killer. They just won't oh, shut up. Like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a lot of turns. They also probably just push themselves over each other. And oh, like right. people on the ground are talking to people standing up. And then somebody comes and pushes the person still standing also to the ground. And uh, I think the highest amount of people I had in my party was 10. And the constant pushing was just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Why are they so pushy? I I really don't know why they're so pushy. But uh, even even as an elephant man, you are you are large. Okay, you're large. But if there's like ten people constantly crossing your tile, at some point you will realize that you're weirdly slow. Then you look. And yes, your elephant you man actually is just crawling on like, the ground. <laughs> yeah, crawling on the ground. And you're like, how did, what? <laughs> when you say pushy, you mean uh, the characters are like rude and, and physically pushy. 
Is that what you mean? Like they, they I thought you, mean you just had to keep pushing your buttons on the on the keyboard forever to get a turn through because you had to had to work for forty people or ten people or whatever. Oh no no no! Uh, they're mm, they're not exactly you. They they they're kind of independent. They just follow you. So okay, uh, like um, so you have your you have NPCs with you basically. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. You have like NPCs with you, and because they try to occupy uh, occupy the same tile that you are occupying at some point, they like push your character. Yeah, and um, the smaller and weaker your character is, uh, the more often you find yourself on the ground. I believe. Um, I think it's whoever so- initiates the movement remains standing and whoever doesn't lays down lays down for them to get over them (laughs) you can tell how much time i spend in adventure mode oh dude i've played (laughs) so long that i remember when they used to not do that you had to lay down and walk between people's legs (laughs) to get past them that's the real thing that's how you have to you had to play before (laughs) oh boy it's Uh, it's quite something (laughs) And it has, yeah, it has severe implications for uh, furniture in the game, by the way. Uh, so, for example, if you make a very long yet thin tavern, where to the one side you, you just have three tiles, okay? You have three tiles, and to the far right, there's your walkway. Then come chairs, and then come tables, that means that people are not pushing by, like, like side to side, right? But somebody gets mm-hmm. on the ground, and the other person is just, like, loop, walking over them. And then they do it again, and do it again. And it's like, what is happening? My favorite is if you engrave a two-by-two two area of a corner, four engravers will stand on the same spot, meaning three of them are laying down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... Ugh. It's crowded. Yeah, adventure mode. Let's let's start taking uh, taking bets on on the release date for that, like we have for the Steam version uh, for the history of the podcast. <clears throat> oh boy! Yeah, um, we nailed that one. I mean, we got it to the hour, didn't we? <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> yes. I, I'm sure that's what. I'm sure that's the way that went. We got it. We got it done like to the hour. Once Cleaner Dev hinted, yes, it'll be released probably next week. Um, and we were like, we're like next hey, week it is. Uh, next week it is. Yes, that's when I pick. Pat ourselves uh, on the back for that one, guys. We really, we know, really right? smashed that. So it, it sounds like Defonso that you're really looking forward to Adventure Mode coming out. Absolutely, that's going to be I, your. Uh, I've honestly I've had trouble getting into forts in this version. Part of it's because I prefer ASCII mode, and I just prefer the I don't know the aesthetic. I guess mm-hmm. so. It's been hard for me to play this version, especially when it first came out. When they released ASCII mode, I actually do quite like that. I for anything I have to do any sort of interfacing with, I switch to graphical mode, do designations, do orders, stuff like that. And then I switch it back to ASCII mode and just watch the fort go. Interesting. Yeah. But it, it has been uh, a lot harder for me to get into forts these days. Um, and part of that's definitely down to lack of adventure mode. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, would you like to have the first dibs on predicting the month at which it will be released, Alfonso? The official Dwarf Fortress Roundtable guessing game. Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to go April 2024. We have an April 2024. Oh, I love it. Uh, 
Love the optimism. Uh, I, yeah. I'm going to say he's going to give me and and Roland a birthday present, and I'm going to say July 2024. July. Okay. Hmm. What day? What exact day is your birthday, uh, Roland? 17 of August. 17. I'm six. August sixth. Nice. Mm, I say May. Ooh, optimistic. Hmm. I'll go for and Tony next Christmas. I'm going January 2024. I'm just uh, a madman with nothing to lose here. So. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Wild. Okay. So, uh, anybody else have anything they want to say about the roadmap of of uh, of adventure mode before we move on? Uh, uh, pour one out for Mac. We're not going to see Mac until after this comes out. <laughs> I know uh, that's yeah. that's the and saddest I, the saddest part of it, Mac. Twenty twenty five. Yeah, it's a bit of a <laughs> but still adventure mode January twenty twenty four. But Mac absolutely, but Mac just twenty twenty nine. Whatever we're gonna have high speed rail in the U.S. before we get a Mac version. I find it I find it strange that the Linux release came out before the Mac release. <clears throat> I think you build the Linux uh, one and then just port it to Mac. Mac, right? Like, I think that's how it works. Different. I mean, the Mac, since Mac's not using Intel chipsets anymore, I think oh, it's... That's right. You know, there's a little a little more complexity there, maybe. Um, but, uh, hey, uh, it runs it under emulation okay, although the, the latest versions don't seem to work anymore. Anyway, maybe someone yeah. listening has got it working on the Mac there's under emulation, but I, I haven't been able to get it running. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't gotten 5010 to run on linux <laughs> even though it's a linux version <laughs> it's a work in progress in his volume on the wars of new tower of showing military historian byron documents an ominous chapter in the fortress's history it was the spring of 112 a year following the season of wet death when an encroaching abyss manifested itself in the form of a massive goblin horde hailing from atu orgu ominously known as the Fly of Graves. The magnitude of the impending peril was evident as the civilian alert rang out, and the fortress's denizens swiftly retreated to the secure sanctuary of the subterranean depths. All of the fortress's squads of battle-hardened soldiers were dispatched to confront the looming goblin threat, but this was no ordinary incursion. The valorous dwarves found themselves vastly outmatched as the goblin host encircled them, driving the defenders into a nearby lake where many souls, goblin and dwarf alike, met a watery grave. Ultimately, the dwarves persevered, but the cost was staggering. As the siege concluded, and the grim task of tallying the fallen and missing began, a devastating toll was revealed. Forty percent of the fortress's population had been lost to the unforgiving tides of fate. Among the four squads deployed to stand against the invaders, only six intrepid dwarves returned. So transpired that dark and fateful season in the annals of New Tower of Showing, a somber account masterfully elucidated by the venerable Byron. So there is a and you'll have to you'll have to educate us on this, Stefanzo. Uh, archiving old fortresses on Bay 12 forums. What's the story with that? Okay, so uh, behind the scenes for listeners at home, um, when did I email you the first time? It was like in... It was in the summer, I want to say... Well, so either way, around that time, so sometime around May, 
Imgur made the decision and the announcement that they are going to remove a bunch of old uh, unclaimed images or something like that. Is there any image that people had just uploaded but didn't have an account? Or I think they were also going to delete some inactive accounts. Either way, they yeah, were doing. We did the, talk about that a little bit on the on the on the podcast. Yeah, they were going to do a data purge, and with that data purge would have been a lot of lost fortresses. So a bunch of people on the Bay Twelve forums, and I think a bunch of people on Reddit also like got together and did it. It was just two different efforts. I think they just went went through and just archived and right? just downloaded everything as much as they could. So uh, that's actually the main reason I wanted to come on the podcast was to tell people, go read those because I lost a lot of sleep uh, to get to get that stuff done. So somebody better read them. <laughs> did Imager, Imager, did it offer any way to um, archive the stuff that you didn't want to get rid of? It was just a time limit as far as I know. It was just you mm. you've got to save it and then re-upload it under an account an active account um or it's gone yeah <laughs> which Did i understand saving I mean, it and they, then re-uploading it also break the uh the links though because yeah the links well yeah exactly right the links would be broken we, we saved everything as html files with the images separately so it doesn't matter um you mm-hmm. can put somebody not me somebody can put them together into a PDF uh, and clean them up. Um, Yeah. Anyway, there's a great, uh, great page, a a great thread on Bay 12 forums called the hall of legends fifth edition. Um, And that's where all that was kind of organized. And there's links to everything. Uh, Some of them have clean, nicely done PDFs. Some of the forts just weren't affected because they used, something else image box or, or post image or one of these and uh the ones that were affected by imgur should be safe of course we missed some but i think we got the big ones you know yeah and, and here we see the danger that we're seeing with a lot of things of of having part of your infrastructure depend on a uh, air quotes free service mm-hmm. that they could uh you know rip out from under you uh, whenever they want Right. You see this in in a lot of forums where there was a uh, uh, it wasn't always Imager. There were also some other older uh, older image services that people were able to post links to for free. And now those threads often make no sense at all uh, because the resources that they link to are are now gone. Yeah, yeah. I read um, Boat Murdered on LP Archive. Because it, the original one is gone, as far as I know, right? Like it, it's behind paywalls or something. It's on the something awful forums, which are kind of a kind of a mess to get to these days. Well, I think uh, it's probably a good warning as the tech sector kind of starts to do a little shrinking. All these things that were free are going to start running out of venture money, which is what was powering them, and the companies that are operating those are going to be getting a little bit more desperate for trying to actually make money now and um, probably going to get bought up as we're seeing. And, you know, it's, it's something to, to definitely be aware of if you're, if you're leveraging those things, keep backups. Yeah. And maybe that's what they should have been doing from the start with, because, because, you know, you can't give away, I mean, the server costs, the server time isn't free. So um, you got to make money somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's tricky. And if you don't want to sell your user's data, then 
Right. Yeah. That's the other way it would go instead. Right. You have to give them your email and your phone number, and then you start getting more scam calls and scam emails. And your social uh, credit number. Yep. And your firstborn. (laughs) Well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, for doing all that work to get that stuff downloaded. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a bunch of people. It wasn't just me. Um, Right. Yeah. But uh, King Zoltan, Quantum Drop, Immortal D, a few others off the top of my head. Um, They all did a lot, right? We all, yeah, it was good. Uh, It was fun, actually. Uh, It was exhausting, but it was fun to go back and read them. And now I have like a list of, uh, these are old fortresses I never read before, and I now want to read them. Uh, And I can, which is great. Um, I also have to admit that, that whole thing just brought up why I knew your name. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. Because of my AI questions? <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah, that, that is what I thought. Like, I remember the name. So, yeah, I know. But, that uh, was, yeah. I think that was Rinzek. Yeah, exa- I looked it up. I'm, I'm just confused about it. Oh, good. Shout out to Rinzik. Thanks for the uh, for the question that, <laughs> for the that uh, question. is still being talked about on the uh, on the on the Discord. So yeah, that was oh, good. Gosh, yeah, I'd hate to. I told you that's not going away. <laughs> I'd hate to have a, a day where we didn't talk about that. Of course not. Place your bets now. Which one happens first? People stop talking about AI, or Roland stops talking about meeting Tar. Well, that's that's super easy. I will stop <laughs> talking about it the day I stop breathing. So AI wins. Okay. Renowned anthropologist Noam Gall has recently unveiled long-forgotten records from the annals of New Tower of Showing, revealing the intriguing genesis of a relic known as Tataklist, which, in the tongue of our era, translates to match whispers. The description of this artifact reads, this is a sleek peach wood crossbow. All crafts worship is of the highest quality. It is encrusted with round tetrahedrite cabochons and oval clear tourmaline cabochons, decorated with peach wood, oak, and pigtail and encircled with bands of oval tetrahedrite cabochons and pig iron. This object menaces with spikes of tetrahedrite. On the item is an image of dwarves in llama wool. The dwarves are laboring. The artwork relates to the foundation of New Tower of showing by the violet rack of the wealthy rag in the early spring of 105. Research shows that this crossbow, steeped in historical significance, was crafted by the legendary Boyer Serral at Solmobil, and found its sanctuary within the temple complex of the Death Sect of Ashes, nestled deep within the labyrinthine depths of New Tower of Showing. So spoke Gnome Gaul. So has anybody had anything really interesting going on hitting their forts since we last met? And uh, Delfonso, have you got anything really cool going on in any of your forts at the moment? Yeah, so I ran into this. I don't know how this bug happens, but occasionally an it's almost always like a undead lieutenant, you know, like a frozen stalker or one of those, um, or sometimes experiments. They show up and their sprite is indexed to the wrong sprite. So I had... A, a goblin outpost liaison come, and then with them came what appeared to be the moon. <laughs> uh, what? At oh, least yeah, I've had those moon things come. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. What is that I don't know how that happens. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're the, the weird moon? creatures. They show up as a moon. Yeah, it's super weird, huh? I've seen that. 
it, I think they show up okay, like when you actually look at them on the map. But in the units tab, they're like a hundred percent the moon, and I, it's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, they have those for werebees, so I just assumed that that was how they were uh, identifying werebees. Oh, maybe it's like a placeholder or something for because because oh, yeah. the experiments are night creatures, right? According to DF's logic, mm-hmm. yeah. So maybe it's a placeholder for all night creatures. Hmm. Okay, that's. That is interesting. Yeah, because I've had that with uh, the spider thing guy. He looked like a spider, some sort of weird creature, but then in the tab, he was a moon. Yeah, it was weird, weird, weird stuff. Hmm. Those are the bugs that I find endearing. Well, I finally drained all the water from my mine shaft of wet death. So all that water drained down to the caverns. Um, and then I was attacked. I didn't count them, but I would say over 50 goblins. I don't. I didn't put any kind of limits on the number of attackers I could have. So whatever the default is, is what it is. But I got attacked by a lot of them and they were very skilled. And my population of my fortress during this one siege that I thought I could handle went from about 160 down to a hundred dwarves. So my, I had a squad of 40. They were all wiped out pretty much. There's a couple of them that are left, but for the most part, they're all dead. So my fortress, uh, surprisingly, uh, with my happiness index, my fortress is a little bit happier now than it was before everybody got killed. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so well, those guys who got killed, they the were assholes. Shambles, so. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the guys who all died, they were all assholes. So <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to miss them. Everyone's better off. Well, yeah, so, fewer mouths to feed. Everybody gets to eat a little better tonight. We all get it. <laughs> I did create a blueprint from a uh, from a website. Uh, that that will turn a 3D model into a into a, a voxel model. Mm-hmm. So I'm using that, and you can get a printout in PDF form of each successive Z level layer of the uh, of the the statue. Okay. So I'm using that to uh, to build my my new tower of showing, if you will. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Hmm, smart. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out how to do that just by hand, but but I can't think in 3D and then put it on paper, and I don't have any experience with any you know true CAD program. So I found a model, a uh, 3D model that came from uh, I think it was I don't remember if it's Adobe or it may have been a Blender model, but I took that and I in uh, I input that into this website that will turn a 3D model into a voxel, uh, into a voxel model. So I'll link that site, but it was it was quite handy if you want to build a statue, but you don't want to actually you don't have the artistic ability to design it yourself. That might be a way to do it. Oh, that's cool. You could also yeah. probably follow like Lego instructions. You know, true. true. I have a specific thing in mind that I. Yeah, it's too. There's, I guess there are probably sites out there that have Lego plans like there's that. I've never been a Lego right? person. I, I don't know if that's a thing, yeah. but there's got to be one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure there is. Okay, so listeners out there, if you are into building 3D structures, how do you make your plans for them? I think we talked about it on the forums or on the on the Discord a little bit about this sort of thing. But yeah, uh, how do you? Uh, design your mega structures how do you architect i don't like using architect as a verb how do you design architect it <laughs> do it anybody else have any uh updates on their on their fortresses they want to give here well i had my uh my resurrection 
civilization where I picked the civilization with one dwarf right. to see what we could do with that. And, you know, then I decided to open a tavern and basically allow full immigration to anyone who wanted to come. And so we're up to about 200 now and things are, things are going pretty well. We just got invaded with a, by a bronze Colossus, but kicked the crap out of it. Those things don't ever seem too bad. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going okay that, you know, I don't understand how there could be a civilization with only one dwarf. That was fascinating to me. And I should probably go into, into legends mode and figure that out. But uh, yeah, it's going all right. What do you mean your bronze Colossus isn't that bad? I don't know. I just sent three squads after it, and they kicked the crap out of it. A couple people died, but, eh, you know. Oh, a couple people died, but it wasn't that bad? They were all assholes. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's there's hundreds of them. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's one or two. Uh, <laughs> That's the way I am. It, it's nothing you know, the like, four like squads the, of dwarves won't, won't handle, right? Yeah, uh, like you said you got to break some eggs. Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of used the Chinese philosophy. You know, you got a billion people. Even if you're one in a million kind of guy, there's lots of people just like you. So, <laughs> kind of move on with it. What a mean uh, approach. <laughs> well, um, I think that can all be brought back to entropy, right? What? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say right. anything, uh, but <laughs> also what? <laughs> Well, okay. So, if you if you take a, a deck of cards, if you take a deck of cards and toss it up in the air and you rearrange them randomly, you know the odds of getting that particular uh, combination of the cards in that order are infinitesimally small. But it is one of millions of combinations that might as well be the same because there's no order to them. And so, this- yeah, you're one in a million. Each person is, but those one in a million people, there's a million of them. So I've been throwing mm-hmm. cards at bronze colossi. Is that not the way to do it? <laughs> yeah. Well, Sadly, if, you're, no. if your cards are made out of, out of obsidian, then oh, yeah. great. steel steel cards. Where, where's my child energy. soldier mod? Where's my child soldier mod? Can I just send the kids well, we out used to, to have that. We, yeah. we used to have that. If you had dwarf therapist. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we did used to have child soldiers. <laughs> And then you could you could assign. <laughs> Might need to mod that one back in. Go <laughs> ahead and just mod. It's not that hard, you know. Dwarf therapist just had like a setting, and you click two things, and boom, you can assign work to your children. And um, if you edit that setting, then you can also assign your children to squads. So you can have the three-year-old try to swing a warhammer. That is uh, pretty much as big as the dwarf. It is. I don't. I don't really see the point. I mean, you know, my. You my, send them out with toy weapons. That's why you make them, right? Yep. Uh, the, it's the, like toys. the toy hammers. You mean, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> right. The, the only thing that I have to tell about my fortress, you know, that's me on the high raw uh, horse, going like, oh. <laughs> You're, you're a terrible person for not caring about your dwarves. While my personal story about my fortress is um, I have this bronze colossus in an actual labyrinth and I have a shaft down there and because I have way too many animals, I've been chucking down animals down the, the <laughs> shaft to the bronze colossus and the bronze colossus now has like 600 plus kills because it keeps killing all the draughters and my dogs and... Um, I'm not a terrible person for that, right? 
No, that's, I mean, you can kill as many dogs as you want. No one's going to judge you for that. I, I think you're fine. Of course oh, not. Yeah, God. I'll be fine. <laughs> I see. I think that's actually going to get more flack anyway. <laughs> than AI? No, than <laughs> killing children. Are, are you going to be oh, more upset about child soldiers or killing a bunch of innocent little dogs? I don't know. Are well, they, I think our like, second episode poodles or? called... I don't know. Episode two in which Roland throws children at trolls, you know. I mean, I yeah, keep doing that yeah. and it keeps working. So, you know, why should I stop? And it's funny to see this bronze colossus become like a god of battle because he, he's like killing draughters and dogs and cats and goblins and cave fish men and amphibian men all year round. He has a diverse amount of entertainment that I give him and he is amazing at what he's doing. Yeah. So once you turn him loose in your fortress. Um <laughs> actually I'm really considering how do I continue with him because you know have him like caged away and everything. But at some point I wanna give the fortress back to the world generation and play like a different fortress in the same world. And uh, I fear I might have to kill him before I do that. And that makes me sad. Just let him kill everyone in the fortress and then load up adventure mode and go out there and get some revenge. I mean, that would also be pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's playing real old school style. That's the way the game was originally envisioned, I think. (laughs) With thousands of dead animals. (laughs) So I got a grizzly bear, and he's tame now, or trained, I guess. And uh, you you really can't put any other animals in the pasture with him, though. Yeah. He, what, uh, what? He, he, he killed everything. He kills everything he pasture with him. <laughs> you get to see a lot of that blood graphic. <laughs> oh, I just, I was like, oh, he seems tame. I'll just go put all the, you know, I'll put all the llamas with him. No, he killed every one of them. So, that, you know, anyway. Did he revert, or was it just animals picking social fights kind of thing? How big is the I didn't even see it. I just came back, and there was just carnage and blood everywhere. And I was like, okay, well, note to self. (laughs) Don't pasture other animals with a grizzly bear. How big is that pasture? Is it like two blocks? No, it was a pretty good-sized pasture, too. Yeah, he just didn't take too kindly to them, I guess. little gremlin? The bear, no, he, the bear was the grizzly bear. He was, he, he was sad after, cause I had him chained up in the, um, in the tavern. Cause I thought that would be funny. And, uh, and he was really sad. And so it said, you know, it said he, he feels sad after being restrained. And I was like, Oh, I don't want him to feel sad. So I put him in his own pasture and then, you know, thought he might like some llamas to keep him company and he killed them all. So well, he felt kind of joy jerk, in it turns out, but, um, you, you were saying something to Fonzo there? I was going to say it was because the, the the llamas wouldn't lay down when they bumped into him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they probably spit at him. I think they're pretty rude, those llamas. Okay, so now that we've had our section of the podcast to piss off PETA, we will uh, go ahead and wrap up here. We're, we're coming up on an hour of recording time. and um, You mean like uh, the dude from Family Guy? Peter, wow. Peter Griffin. I got that Are one. You I got about it. Peter. Peter. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Okay, <clears throat> continue, please. I'm gonna have Just, to insert a cricket sound effect. Yeah, there, no, yeah. leave the space. Leave, leave the two seconds it took all of us yeah. to respond. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Alfonso, thanks so much for coming and joining us hey, it was on a the roundtable today. 
And is there anything else that you would like to cover before we get out of here for the afternoon? Um, uh, so I'm running uh, Spooky Fort in 50.09 and 50.10. Um, there are two other October Halloween sort of spooky themed forts going on at Bay 12. They're awesome. If you liked Krug Smash's Autumn Kingdom series, Malloy is running one with that mod he's running a fort and adventure game with that mod and then uh brewer bob is running sort of a more classic horror themed haunted biome succession game in 47.05 if you're looking for the old style both of those are in 47.05 okay great well we'll try to get uh we'll try to get links to all of those in the show notes and thank you so much for coming uh, on the podcast and uh, thanks so much to everybody out there for downloading and listening to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. We appreciate it very much. So I suppose until next time, uh, good luck and dig deep. Thanks, Alfonso. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be in there twice this time. <laughs> I know, right? Adios. Um, <laughs> See you later. I, you know, I keep trying to come up with a funny little quib at the end, and I keep failing, and it makes me very mad. What you do wow. is you steal it from somebody else. Right, I'll, I'll write you. I'll write you a few, Roland. I'll send you an email. I, I, that would actually be very, very appreciated. So everybody, like, okay, okay, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to do this. Cut this in. Everybody, please tell me a funny little quip that I can use at the end of the episode, so I don't have to say like goodbye. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Because no, I've got it. I got it already. Door Viderzan. Oh, I love That's it. Terrible. No. <laughs> What's that mean? Auf Wiedersehen is how you say goodbye in German. Yeah, It's a yeah. portmanteau. It's a delightful <laughs> use of language. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. This is a conversational podcast. All craft storeship is of the highest quality. Thanks, Alfonso.